0: Well, good morning again. I'm Reverend Laura Horton Ludwig, minister of this congregation, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to this online worship service at the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalists. Our greeter today is Wendy Mattia. Thank you, Wendy. And our other worship leaders today are our worship associate, David Hopkinson, our director of religious education, Austin Peterson, and our new assistant music director, Dave Robbins. Just wanted to make sure everybody knows that Dave is now our assistant music director. We're very thrilled about that. Go, Dave. If you are on Zoom, at this time, you might want to change your view to speaker view so that you have a better view of whoever is speaking. We will be unmuting and muting you as needed. If you'd like to follow along with our order of service today, I invite you to visit wuu.org to download a copy. You'll find that link right next to the links to join the service. Also, if you are visiting today, we're glad you're here. We invite you to share your name in the chat if you like and anything you'd like us to know about you. If you're not yet on our email list and would like to join to keep up with opportunities to connect, serve, and grow, we encourage you to please fill out the online visitor form. That's also on our homepage right at wuu.org. It's right underneath that link where you can download the order of service. I wanna tell you about what's happening today in particular, right after the worship service today. Everybody is invited to stay with a special cafe conversation with our board of directors. They'd like to share information with you on some COVID-19 safety work they've been doing and invite your questions and feedback. Thank you for that. I hope you'll stay. By the way, normally on the first Sunday of the month, we have a special opportunity for new folks to join the congregation. But because of today's conversation with the board, we are moving this joining opportunity to next Sunday, July 12th. So now we move into our worship service today. Last week was our National Association's annual General Assembly when representatives from congregations all over the country come together for business meetings, shared learning, and some fun. This year, of course, it was entirely online and we had 4,800 participants from all over the country including me, Austin Peterson, Katrina Landon, Wayne Moyer, Jessica O'Brien and Les Solomon. Thanks to all our participants. Our theme this year was Rooted, Inspired, and Ready. There was a strong focus on social justice, racial justice in particular. Many of you joined in the General Assembly Sunday morning worship service last week. And today we'll lift up some highlights and some challenges that came out of this week together. And as we begin, I'd like to invite you into a worship experiment suggested at this year's GA by one of our Black UU ministers, the Reverend Patrice Curtis. Patrice suggests that one way to support anti-racism in our congregations is to start naming the racial and cultural backgrounds of the different authors and composers that we draw on in our worship. It's a way of making visible the diverse identities of the contributors to our worship service today. So we're gonna try that and I encourage you to bring a spirit of curiosity to how you experience it. Thank you for experimenting right along with us today and so we begin with music the gorgeous arabesque number one by the white male french composer claude debussy played by our own dave robbins
1: Dave will, David, will ask you
2: to unmute. Thank you. muted Okay, here we go. Uh, good morning. Um, good morning, I'm David Hopkinson, today's worship associate. Um, the, uh, again, welcome. Uh, we're happy that you've joined us uh, via live stream, audio or video or Zoom. Whether you have come here seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here. You are seen here. And that is even if you're joining us by phone and we cannot see you physically. <clears throat> if you are a visitor, we offer you a special welcome and a warm thank you for joining us online today. Um, now, I'm going to invite you to, say, to join in saying our welcoming words. Um, Please, as you say these words, uh, speak them to each other and know that you we are connected across the distance. Uh, the words are pasted in your Zoom chat. So let's say them in unison. Uh, folks on, on Zoom, we will unmute you so that you can hear each other. Come, come, whoever you are.
1: Whoever you are, whomever you who love. love.
2: Whatever Whatever your, your image is of the presence presence
1: all Our opening hymn today is "Woyaya." It's a song written by the Ghanaian drummer
0: Sol Amarifio and arranged by Isaiah Maria Barnwell an African American composer, singer, and song leader who many of you know from her workshops at William & Mary, among many other accomplishments. ya means loosely, we are going. And I'll paste the text in the chat so you can sing along as you're muted. Dave. our call to worship today is by the Reverend Teresa I Soto, a Latinx Unitarian Universalist Minister. They offered this at one of the daily morning worship services at General Assembly last week. Allow the beginning of the new day to wake you. Allow the possibilities to bloom in your mind and heart and call you forward. Imagine that everything you already know, everything that you already expect always happens, is only part of the story. As we gather, we respond to the ancestors calling us, expecting us to fulfill their wildest dreams by world-building, brick by brick with justice, calling us, the next ancestors, to fulfill their wildest dreams. There is more. It is not too late. Come, let us worship together.
2: Now please join me in saying the words to light our chalice. Uh, if you have a chalice or a candle near, handy nearby where you are, please go ahead and light it now. Again, we'll unmute you and attempt uh, to say these words in unison. We light this chalice, the warmth of love, love our, our light.
1: light of
3: light of truth, light of truth. Light
2: of truth. the energy we'll of action, and for, and for the harmony, the of, harmony
3: of, peace. of peace, peace in our hearts. Hearts, peace in our community,
1: peace in our, our world. world.
3: Good morning, everybody. It's so nice to see you all. I spent the last week at General Assembly and taking a class at the Star King School for Ministry. And when I say at, I mean online. Um, And the class was on Unitarian Universalist Polity, which maybe sounds a little confusing. I know I had never even heard the word polity until I discovered Unitarian Universalism. So, I'm going to ask you this. When you tell people that you are a Unitarian Universalist, I wonder how people respond. Do they often ask, Well, what is it that Unitarian Universalists believe? And, you know, sometimes we practice our elevator speech. You know, if you're stuck in an elevator with someone, what would you say? Because you have maybe a minute until they get to their floor. And honestly, What is it that you use believe? I gotta tell you, it's the wrong question for us. Because it isn't so much what we believe, because we are a non-creedal faith. And that means that there is no one creed. There is not a set thing that we repeat and um, everyone must believe, everyone must attest that they believe those things. No, no, that's not how we do. How we do is that we come together with an agreement of how we will treat each other. And that's what our polity is. So what I learned is this. There are three different kinds of polity. There's Episcopalian polity, which you might be familiar with. And that's what, if you have friends that are maybe Eastern Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, Roman Catholic, it's um, all the authority is invested in the clergy and it's a top-down model. So there's a pope, usually a man. I've heard that with the Roman Catholics, there might have been a Pope Joan, but that's a story for a totally different time. And all the authority is invested in this pope. And he says, okay, we're going to believe X, Y, and Z. We're going to do A, B, C. And that's just how it is. There is no questioning that. And so that's how that leadership model works. That is not our way. And then there's another model, which is called the um, Presbytery model. And it's kind of a mix, from what I understand. There are um, clergy, and they have power. And then there's also some selected, appropriate lay people. But it's the clergy who get to select who is appropriate. That is also not our way. And so what we have is called congregational polity. And instead of there being a higher up, telling us what to do, there is a deeper down. There is a grassroots of all of us. And how we decide to do, how we decide to behave, how we decide to treat each other, the things that we decide to question, because we all know that Unitarian Universalists do question quite a bit, right? And that's a healthy thing. How we decide to do that and the questions that we decide to ask of one another, that's congregational polity. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a little more um, concrete way. One thing that I can do as a Unitarian Universalist, and you could do it too, we could get up in the pulpit of Williamsburg Unitarian Universalists, we could stand at the podium and we could disagree with Reverend Susan Frederick Gray, the president of the association, and you know what would happen? Nothing. Because it's okay to disagree. You know, as long as we're disagreeing with the ideas instead of the people, that's a healthy thing. Now, I haven't had occasion to do that, but it would be within polity to do it and it would be just fine. And so, you know, when we think of this beautiful song that Dave Robbins just sang to us, heaven knows where we are going, but we know within. And we will get there. Heaven knows how we will get there, but we know we will. Boy, that's Unitarian Universalist polity right there. And I don't mean to say, oh, it's easy. No, 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 no. (laughs) Sometimes it's going to take multiple meetings and really deep listening. And sometimes it's going to be perfectly easy, and often not. Sometimes we have to really listen to each other and understand, oh, you're coming from there because something else. Got it. And there's influence here from um, a whole bunch of theological stuff that we don't have time to get into. But you know, um, there were Puritans that were involved with this. There's a whole bunch of New England involved in this. And so I know when I moved to New England, Vermont to
1: be specific,
3: I, um, <laughs> excuse me, when I moved to Vermont, one of the first things that we had to do in our college dorm was make a covenant, a dorm covenant. And so we made a list of different things that would need to be done, the trash needed to be taken out. The dishes needed to be done. And we made a rotation, you know? Five people, and then you, you just rotate. Maybe you've had a living situation like this, too. And one of the things that the dean of housing said to us is, OK, great idea. What are you going to do when it goes wrong? And I remembered thinking, how could you suggest such a thing? We are good people. It will never go wrong. But of course, that's not how life works, right? Someone will forget to do the dishes. Someone will forget to take out the trash. And then there's one other question you have to ask. What are the barriers to taking out the trash? And I can tell you in Vermont, sometimes the barrier is a huge pile of snow. You know, how are you gonna shovel through that snow? Literal and metaphorical. And so what congregational polity gifts us is this ability to lovingly question one another and to call each other back in. What are the hidden barriers to washing the dishes? What are the hidden barriers to making sure that we will get there, even though we don't know exactly how it is that we're getting there? So it is a complex entity and gosh, is it cool. It's like the center of democracy that we would together make an agreement about how we're going to be and how we're going to treat one another. So something to think about the next time that you're in a meeting. It isn't necessarily, well, what is it you believe as a UU? It's how do you behave as a UU? How do you do together and as a group, and how do you make decisions? I'll leave you with that. How
1: do we make decisions? Thank you so much. Thanks, Austin. And we begin our
0: time of meditation today with these words from the Reverend Viola Abbott. She's a black Unitarian Universalist who is also the brand new minister of the Coastal Virginia Unitarian Universalists, our neighbors in Virginia
1: Beach. She invites us. Let us open our hearts, still our
0: minds, and enter a time of prayer. Let us call forth and hold in our hearts the stories of all who have come before us, the memories of those who are with us today, and the hope for tomorrow and for all of those who will come after us. Let us be thankful for this opportunity for healing, forgiveness, and reconciliation while knowing that we can never, should never forget what has brought us here today. Let us be glad that voice has not only been given to those whose sorrow and pain were their companions in this faith, but that the stories told by those voices have been received with a goal of redemption and understanding. Let us call upon that light which shines in each of us to give us the strength to walk together into the future and do the work that is necessary and which does not end here today. Let us have the wisdom to lovingly have the conversations we need to have with each other that we must have with each other
1: in order to grow this faith in radical love and inclusion. May it be so. And let us now take a moment
0: to lift up the many other joys and sorrows that are present here among our community, among our world. And so we send our love and care to all those who continue to be affected by COVID-19 and by illness of any kind to all who are grieving the loss of loved ones, to all who carry the burden of stress, uncertainty, lack of resources, loneliness, and all the challenges of these times. May
1: all be held in compassion and love. May all be strengthened. May everyone have enough. And
0: today we hold our political leaders and ask that they might make wise decisions. May they lead boldly. And may we all come together in service, humility, and hope. Today, especially, we have a joy to share. We welcome and celebrate the arrival of Mariela, Jorge, and Diana, our guests in Parker House, who arrived on Friday. May they be safe and well and happy.
1: We send our deep thanks to all of you who have made this possible. So now I invite you to consider who
0: is on your heart today. If you're on Zoom, I invite you to to type in the chat the names of those who are on your heart. Let us all open our hearts. We hold all these loved ones. We hold all the joys along with all the sorrows that move in our lives and
1: the life of the world. And I invite you to add your own silent prayers and meditations.
0: May it be so, amen, and blessed be. Let us now sing together, we give thanks. The song was written by the white Canadian UU minister, Wendy Luella Perkins. And now I'd like to introduce the first of a summer series of From the Heart reflections on racial justice. Eileen O'Brien is a longtime WU and a professor whose work focuses on race. Eileen has graciously agreed to kick off
4: the series with her personal reflections. Thank you, Eileen. Good morning, everyone. This is a story of making a rookie mistake over 30 years into doing anti-racist work not only doing it but teaching and training others how to do it it's 2018 i'm at a sociology conference and out of the corner of my eye i catch sight of someone who looks like this guy i met at another conference last year he's sitting in a chair minding his own darn business reading something and I walk over and call him the name I think he is, but as soon as he looks up and I see his name tag, I realize he's not the person I thought he was. In that moment, I thought the best thing would be to admit my mistake, but to stay engaged with the person and find out who they are anyway and introduce each other. Although mind you, I've invaded his space and his first impression of me is now most definitely the white chick who thinks all black guys look the same. Worse yet as we talk I find out he's actually at the same university as the person I mistook him for so he knows right away who I'm talking about which means it will likely get back to the original colleague anyway so I decided just to own it I apologize to him right away but I just felt it wasn't enough so I reached out to both scholars via email and those were hard emails to write but I tried to practice what I preach in these workshops namely that no matter how good How many good um, and non-race-related intentions behind your action? The only thing that is felt is the impact, not the intent. So you must own that and stop clinging to whatever seemingly good excuse you may have had because it just falls onto them in a heap of the million and one times it's happened to them before. So the time I spent waiting for a reply felt like an eternity. The guy I didn't know to begin with, he never responded at all. Well, that's to be expected. But the person I was really worried about was the person I already knew and had seemingly developed a relationship with as well. He graciously responded and I gained an enormous amount of respect for him through his reply because he knew it was not his job to absolve me. He just said something to the effect of it happens and then graciously changed a subject to ask how was the conference. I wish I could say all was forgiven and everything was like before. Ironically, one thing I post about not infrequently is the right and wrong way for whites to apologize when they make racist mistakes. The best apology is changed behavior. I try my best to make subsequent steps, my subsequent steps a living amends for my mistake. And it haunts me, but like my son recently told me when I accidentally sent the wrong embarrassing text to the wrong person, mommy, everyone makes mistakes. In a way, it made what I teach even truer still. You will never stop working. You will never stop learning. You will never stop making mistakes. So stay humble and don't do it to draw attention to yourself. But never think you're above getting it wrong sometimes, no matter how long you've been at
2: it. Each Sunday, we make an offering from the bounty we are are blessed to enjoy. We do so in a spirit of generosity and in recognition of our ongoing commitment to serve our world and to share our values. If you're joining us today for the first time, please feel feel free to give if you wish, but also know that your presence here is gift enough. Today's offering goes to our general operating fund, uh, which supports just about everything we do. Your support is deeply appreciated. If you'd like to give through our website, please visit wuu.org and click on the quote, give online to WUU unquote. If you'd like to give by text, please text the dollar amount of your gift to 757-500-0688. That's 757 Five zero 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 six eight eight, and follow the prompts uh, from there. Or, if you prefer to give by check, please mail your check to WUU three zero five one Ironbound Road, Williamsburg, Virginia two three one eight five. Thank you so much. Now we turn it over to uh, Dave Robbins with a song by the white American singer songwriter. Tom Petty.
5: This world from dragging me down gonna stand my ground and i won't back down I know.
3: great song. Thank you so much, Dave Robbins. The reading today comes from a sermon that was preached at the 2019 General Assembly by the Reverend Marta Valentin. Reverend um, Marta is a Unitarian Universalist minister who identifies as a Puerto Rican New Yorker. Speaking to her fellow UUs, she says this, It is time to throw out our exceptional identity and humble ourselves. We've always done good in the world. It's in our DNA. The question is, are we ready to do better for our own people? Because the world includes every person in our faith, many of whom have been micro-aggressioned right out the door. It is the silent revolving door that many do not want to acknowledge. It is time to look ourselves, not just in our faces, but in our souls and ask ourselves, who are we really? Which Unitarian Universalism are we taking into our future? It is time now to keep this beloved faith from fracturing. Moreover, in this delicate turning, let us remember that before anything, ante todos somos seres humanos. We are human beings who have chosen to travel together, to make a new, more just world together. We must continue to choose each other as companions if we are to accompany one another.
0: Thanks, Austin, for sharing that reading. It's so nice to see you all today. I hope that many of you got to participate in the General Assembly service online last Sunday. Today, I'd like to share with you what, in my view, was the biggest and most important takeaway from this year's General Assembly, a very significant report and set of recommendations on how our association and our congregations can live more fully into our values of diversity and anti-racism. If you've been around here for a while, you know that Unitarian Universalists have been struggling with issues of race and diversity for quite a long time now. In many ways, our association and our congregations are among the most progressive, social justice-minded religious communities in the country but still for decades and even now, many folks of color in our congregations report that they love and believe in the saving message of this faith. But their actual lived experience in our congregations and in our association is that diversity is not as welcomed in practice as it is in our mission statements, websites and social media channels. And it's not like our congregations, it's not like our association is lying. We do believe in welcoming. We do believe in diversity and in justice. Only what many UUs of color are saying is that they, they don't consistently feel welcomed into participation and leadership in every way throughout this faith. For those of us who identify as white, it can be hard to see the barriers that are still in place, even in spite of our best efforts to build communities that welcome diversity. For many of us, our organizational cultures are invisible. We might not even realize that we have a culture because we're so surrounded by it. It's like that famous quip from the white American novelist, David Foster Wallace. You might've heard this one. A fish is swimming along. And one day they meet another fish swimming the other way who says to them,
1: morning, how's the water? The first fish looks blank and says, what's water? And so
0: in our UU communities, A big part of our diversity work right now is listening to folks who are saying, hey, the water is not working so well for me right now. I wanna share one example among many from an essay by the Reverend Dr. Hope Johnson in the recent book, Centering. This is the book I'm talking about. This is Centering. It's an anthology of essays by UU religious professionals of color about their experiences in this faith. Hope is currently a member of our UUA Southern Region staff team. Some of us got to work with her in a small group last month as part of the extended leadership experience trainings we had. Reverend Hope is Black. She grew up in Jamaica. And in her essay in Centering, she remembers the first time she visited the UU congregation that became her home church in New York City. She loved the worship. She didn't love so much the questions that congregants asked her after the service. Like, where are you from? What brought you here? Or how on earth did you hear about Unitarian Universalism? She recalls that with those questions, I was reminded, even as I was welcomed, that I was the other, her words. Hope went on to become a lay leader in her congregation, and then a professional minister. She's been welcomed as a leader throughout her career, and eventually she was invited to join the board of the UU Ministers Association. But even there, she recalls, she says, I wasn't seen as someone who truly belonged. There was an insider-outsider reality. On the UUMA board, Hope was encouraged to serve as the chair of the Committee for Anti-Racism, Anti-Oppression, and Multiculturalism, which she did for a time. After a while, though, she realized that was not, in fact, the work that she felt most called to do. And she began to ask herself, why should I hold this role just because I'm a person of color? Eventually, she moved on to accept a role that she felt much more called to, to serve as the leader of what we call the Good Offices Program, which works with ministers and congregations in conflict. And even then, with her many years of experience as a leader, as soon as her candidacy was announced for that position, Hope got a call from a white colleague she considered a friend, urging her to drop out because she wouldn't be able to handle it. This colleague meant well, but hearing his lack of confidence in her, she recalls, was the most painful experience she has ever had as a Unitarian Universalist. I just want to interject, I know Hope. She was completely up for that role. She served brilliantly. And now she concludes, She writes, I accept the fact that I will never quite fit in. So I've embraced my identity, and I continue to see myself as a sister from another planet. Reverend Dr. Hope's story is just one of many stories told by UUs of color of not being fully accepted and welcomed in this faith, despite the real intent of many white you used to be welcoming and now imagine this story multiplied by hundreds and thousands this is the backdrop to the major report that came out at the general assembly last week the report is called widening the circle of concern widening the Circle of Concern, and it was produced by our Commission on Institutional Change. I'm going to take just a moment to post a link in the Zoom chat so that you can read the report if you would like to. Okay, I'm posting it now. The report is fully downloadable if you'd like to check it out. The report is 228 pages long, so there's no way that we can even come close to covering it all today. But the heart of the report is the message that Unitarian, Universalist, Unitarian Universalism must embrace diversity more fully and more skillfully to survive in a society that is increasingly multicultural and to realize our potential as a liberating, saving faith. I'm gonna say that again. Unitarian Universalism must embrace diversity more fully and skillfully to survive in a society that is increasingly multicultural and to realize our potential as a liberating, saving faith. So how are we gonna do that? This report provides a roadmap for us to get there, including 36 recommendations with over 100 suggested action steps, both for our UUA, our Unitarian Universalist Association, and congregations like ours. For example, the report encourages congregations to revisit our congregational covenants to build in explicit aspirations for equity, inclusion, and diversity. Build it in. Write it down. There are recommendations that the UUA's religious education curricula more fully reflect the contributions of UUs of color. And when that happens, we will all benefit from it. There's a recommendation that the UUA develop a program like the Welcoming Congregation Program or the Green Sanctuary Program for congregations that want to go through a certification process around diversity. The list goes on, and it is very substantial. I look forward to really delving into this report in the coming year with our leaders. I hope we will talk about it. Let's engage and figure out what our next steps can be going forward. I'm really excited that we now have this roadmap to help us live more fully into our values. And I feel a lot of hope in this moment. I hope that you do too. I want to leave you today with a prayer by the Reverend Elizabeth Nguyen. She's a UU social justice leader who describes herself as a queer Vietnamese American and a proud Midwesterner. She says, Our faith teaches us two truths. That we are always enough that the great circle of love casts no one out. and..." that we are responsible for bending our small piece of the arc of justice, for finding our own racial justice front lines. When we find our front lines, we find not only
1: our hope, but we also find our most effective action. We are always enough love holds us
0: all and we are responsible for doing our work for justice there is our hope
1: and our call blessings on this faith and all its people amen and may it be so
2: now let us say the words to extinguish the chalice and we invite you to blow out your candle at the same time we will paste the words in the zoom chat and again uh, we'll say them in unison
1: <laughs>
2: extinguish this flame
1: so Not wondering wondering. the warmth of community
2: <laughs> <God>. <laughs> keep carrying our, our hearts. hearts so we are together we
1: are together again, again. <laughs>
0: As a reminder, our cafe conversation with our board will begin in just a couple of minutes. We hope that you can stay. And now as we close, I invite you to hold out your hands in witness to all that connects us as once again we receive the words of Reverend Elizabeth
1: Nguyen. Our faith teaches us two truths, that we are always enough,
0: that the great circle of love casts no one out, and that we are responsible for bending our small piece of the arc of justice. So may we rest in our belonging and act from the fullness of our being in
1: hope in courage, and in community, so may it be, blessed be, and amen.